Hey, YA listeners, just a heads up that the sound quality in this episode, particularly later on, gets a little weird, so heads up about that, and we're going to blame Mercury in retrograde for this one. Enjoy the show. Hey, YA is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Have you tried out Book Riot Insiders? If not, your time is now. It's our resource specifically designed for our fellow book nerds, and you can try it free for two weeks. There are different levels available so you can decide which perks you want, from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And, speaking of perks, we've got a new release index curated by resident reader Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming out in the next few months. Check it out and sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book right podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, and this week I have a special guest joining, and it is Terza Price. We are recording on Friday, August 2nd, 2019. Hello. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for jumping in. Um, Eric was like, I can only record on this one day at this one time. And I was like, yeah, Eric, not going to work. Do you want me to find a, do you want me to find a guest? And I think he was worried I was going to find another like iridescent to bring <laughs> But I was like, no, Terza would be great because I know what I want to talk about this week and I know she would be perfect to talk with um, about these topics. So yeah, and I'm excited to have listeners um, hear from another person who knows so much about YA. Yeah, thanks for having me. When you were like, do you want to be on Hey YA? I was like, yes. I mean, <laughs> sorry, Eric, not trying to get in on your turf. But um, I, yeah, especially when you um, said what you wanted to talk about, which was like the perfect aligning of a lot of my interests. So mm-hmm. this is excellent. So um, generally when we start the show, we talk about what we're currently reading. So I'll ask you first, what are you reading? Like what's going on in your reading life? Um, so this summer I have been more intentional about catching up on some of the amazing YA anthologies that have been coming out. Um, it feels like there were like a handful coming out each year and now there are just like so many. So, um, kind of have to like really make time to get them all in. And so, um, I've been working my way through Hungry Hearts, Mm -hmm. which is edited by Elsie Chapman and Caroline Tung Richmond. Uh, And it's just this really great anthology that's all about, um, you know, these fictional characters and food. Um, So I love food. This is awesome. Um, It's also really unique from other YA anthologies that I've read recently and that the stories are all set in the same place, which is this fictitious neighborhood called Hungry Hearts Row. And so not only are they all in the same general neighborhood um, but the stories are even somewhat interconnected. Like you have characters kind of um, dipping in from story to story. You see the same settings. Um, like I'm just really loving how they are doing this. And it also is just making me really kind of curious to um, 
learn more about maybe how this anthology was put mm. together because I think it's really clever that you have um I think is like 15 different authors and they all have um just kind of little glimpses of other people's stories and clearly the setting was very well thought out and there's even a map in the front of the book which is really cool um and I like a lot so that's Hungry Hearts and it's fantastic I did not know that they were all interconnected and set in the same neighborhood. And now, like, it's been sitting on my shelf for a while, and I haven't gotten to it yet for the <laughs> same reason. Like, I, you know, it's, part of it is editing anthologies. I try to avoid reading them at the same time. Um, yes. Even though, like, they have nothing to do with one another. But there's something about being in the weeds in your own work where you're like, I don't want to read work that does something too similar. And... um I did not know that. I love that. Uh, Sean David Hutchinson's anthologies do something similar. And I can only imagine the sort of work that goes into, like, coordinating this many people to write, like, in the same world and bring in these same characters. Like, the amount of yeah work that would be... <laughs> Well, yeah. And I mean, like, I know you edit anthologies and I actually just um, have a short story that's coming out in an anthology from Candlewick next year. And so having that experience, like, I I imagine that you also are just like, whoa, how'd they do that? I would really love to know. Me too. I'm fascinated by that. I am reading right now um, The Lifeboat Click by Kathy Parks. And anybody who's tuned in to Hey YA, uh, pretty much any episode, knows that I cannot get enough of her latest book, which is uh, Notes for My Captivity. And so I am so pleased that The Lifeboat Click is also this semi-absurdist, darkly funny book. Um, It's about a group of teens who after breaking into this expensive house in L.A. to party, are stuck together in a lifeboat when there's an earthquake and a tsunami the night of the party. And um, the main character is this, like, super unlikable um, girl who just, like, hates these people she's with because they're all part of this popular clique. And even though it's also this bizarre survival story, like, these cliques still exist. And, oh, man, like... I just hate her so much, but she's the kind of, like, character you love to hate, and I am so excited to finish this one because, I don't know, something about, like, how absurd it is is just, like, pushing all my buttons right now in the best possible way. Uh, That sounds bonkers and cool. Let's hit our first sponsor, and then we'll dive right into the meat of the show because we have so much. Like, our (laughs) lists are ridiculous in the best way. Uh, So our first sponsor is Swipe Right for Murder by James Patterson. One swipe can change your entire life or end it. Finding himself alone in a posh New York City hotel room for a night, Aiden does what any red-blooded 17-year-old would do, tries to hook up with someone new. But that lapse in judgment leads him to a room with a dead guy in a mysterious flash drive. Two things that spark an epic case of mistaken identity that puts Aiden on the run from the authorities, his friends, his family, the people who are out to kill him, and especially from his own troubled past. This summer's hottest YA thriller, Swipe Right for Murder, is available now in hardcover ebook and audiobooks everywhere books are sold. It's presented by James Patterson um, and Derek Millman's the author of it, and it reads like Hitchcock for the digital age. We all know the right dating app, One Swipe, can change your life, but One Swipe can also be your downfall. 
That is Swipe Right for Murder by James Patterson. So our first topic is queer YA. Yay. Yeah, we Eric and I always like weave it into what we are talking about, but uh, we never have done like a specific segment on the awesome queer YA that is out this year. Like this year seems to be a real watershed year for queer YA. We're, like we're seeing so much of it and it's so refreshing. I totally agree. Um, I do a few roundup posts on the site for queer YA and I actually recently did a second one just because um with the new fall books kind of coming out and being released and more information about them becoming available. It's like, Oh, that one's queer and that one's queer and Mm -hmm. that one's queer. Um, It's kind of annoying when, to me anyway, um, when publishers aren't up front with that in the marketing. Um, So it's really been great to find out that there's so much more than I initially thought. Yeah. And I think that it does a disservice to readers when it's not up front in the descriptions too. Uh, because so many readers are specifically seeking this out. So, like, not putting it front and center is uh, hiding it from the readers who, like, would so desperately want to read these books. Yeah, it just makes it harder. And, um, you know, that kind of feels like a self-fulfilling prophecy then when people are like, oh, but it doesn't sell as well. Well, if you would let us know. Like, there are definitely mm-hmm. desperate readers who really want these books. So um, it's really great that we can promote these and that there are so many more. And I, I feel like maybe it's getting slightly better, um, even if they aren't coming out and saying like, oh, this is LGBTQ, you can read the description and, and kind of get a feel. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, you know, the the lesbian hands on the cover, which is supposed to be the cue for, you know, um, <laughs> like it's a little bit more upfront. <laughs> yeah. I like my covers that have like the rainbow spines. I'm like, great. I know exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so um, I'll start. And, and this is my homage to Eric since he's not here. I'm going to talk about hot dog girl. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm laughing because anybody who's listened knows that he talks about this on literally every episode. And um, I have been waiting for my copy to show up for the library for forever. And it's in transit, which means maybe today I will actually get it at the library. I feel like I've been waiting for it forever. Um, And I hope it's even half as good as I've been promised it will be. Um, And for those who've somehow missed what this one is about, it's a queer romance set at a theme park where the main character is dressed as a hot dog. And it might be the last chance that that main character, whose name is Lou, has for the perfect high school romance with a partner. And it might be the last summer the theme park is operating unless the teens can save it. I love this idea of, like, teens have to save the theme park and also, oh, swoony summer romance. Like, those two things together is just, like every 90s movie ever and I love that so much and that is Hot Dog Girl by Jennifer Dugan all right so you want to go back and forth here and I can yeah yeah all right great um so my first pick is Amelia Westlake was never here by Aaron Goh and this one just came out in the U.S. this spring but I actually ordered this book from Australia like a year and a half ago outrageous shipping and all because I desperately wanted it and I could not wait Um, because when it came out in Australia it wasn't yet known if it had sold in the U.S. yet or not 
And so Aaron Goes First novel, Get It Together, Delilah, um, is a really great queer story. And I loved it so much. So, yeah, I ordered this one from Australia. It took like two weeks. I wasn't sure <laughs> if it was a scam until it came. Um, <laughs> and so it's about these two girls, Will and Harriet, and they're attending a girls prep school. And they find themselves both in a detention together after a sort of sour tangling with a very sexist swim coach. So they are like complete opposites of each other. And um, Will is actually kind of irritated with Harriet because Harriet doesn't like quite understand or quite see the problematic nature of the swim coach. And so they kind of get to talking and um, throughout this detention, they make this connection where they come up with this really audacious plan to create a fake persona named Amelia Westlake um, to write comics and then submit them for publication in the school na- newspaper <laughs> to expose like the sexism and hypocrisy in their school, and which is just so fantastic. And this con escalates from... Um, comics to like elaborate pranks that they attribute to Amelia Westlake but really it's just the two of them and so at first everyone thinks Amelia Westlake is like an actual person that goes to the school and everyone's like who's Amelia what what grade is she in like who who is this girl has anyone seen her um and then they you know sort of start to realize like she's not really a person but then it's becomes a question of who's behind Amelia Westlake so Will and Harriet are trying to pull off these these pranks and they also find themselves falling for each other as they go about this. Um, So it's just um, a really great book that I think touches on like some of my sort of teen nostalgia of like these two complete opposites and they're coming together to, um, you know, fight the man and they also fall for each other, but it's queer. So (laughs) it's really funny. Um, It's, yeah, definitely probably one of my favorite books that I read last year, but it came out this year, and that's Amelia Westlake Was Never Here by Erin Go. I got this one, like, months and months and months before it came out over here and haven't read it yet, but, like, you just sold it to me. Yeah. I love the idea of a fake persona to like take down the man <laughs> it's so good and fun fact Erin go said that this is like based off of like real events like she and her friends actually did come I up with an amelia westlake when they were in school <laughs> um my next pick is the stars and the blackness between them by junata patris and this one uh is really high on my tbr it's not out yet it comes out in september And I'm putting it on here because Junata wrote an essay for my next anthology, and it is so unbelievably good that I suspect that the novel is going to be as well. It's told in two voices. You get the story of a girl who is sent from Trinidad to live in Minneapolis, and then another girl who lives in Minneapolis, but who has been feeling sick for a long time. And the two, of course, begin to fall for one another as they navigate their uh, American high school experience as black girls from very, very different backgrounds. And then this mysterious illness that might throw a wrench into their romance. Um, I love the cover of this. It's two black girls who are clearly um, feeling things for each other on the front cover. It's super appealing, the packaging. And I, like I said, haven't read it yet, but it's really, really high on the TBR. And that is The Stars and the Blackness Between Them by Junata Patris. Wow. That will, the cover is gorgeous in that one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Um, so my next pick is Shatter the Sky by Rebecca Kim Wells. And I feel like this book somehow slipped like right under my radar and all of a sudden just appeared into the world. So I don't really know how that happened, but I'm really excited to for my copy to come in from the library. So it's a fantasy novel about Marin who lives like this really peaceful life with her girlfriend and all they want is to make this future together. Um, but that is shattered when her girlfriend Kaya is abducted by people working for the emperor and they conscript her into their service. Um, and so Marion is desperate to rescue Kaya and get her back. But of course, she can't just do it herself. Like, these are really powerful people. So she concocts a plan to steal a dragon from the emperor and then use the dragon to storm the stronghold where Kaya is being kept. Like you do. So, of course, this is really complicated. It's going to take some time. So she has to team up with the dragons, the emperor's dragon trainer. And as she's going about doing this, she's sort of exposed to this whole new world of, like, rebellions and secrets. And clearly there's a lot of political stuff going on. And she's going to have to sort of figure out her place in all of this while also trying to rescue her girlfriend. So, like I said, I haven't read this yet, but I'm really pumped because I love any fantasy that centers LGBTQ characters. And um, I feel like for as many awesome YA books that are queer that are coming out this year, like we still just need more genre fiction. So I'm hopeful that this is going to be another great addition. And that's Shattered the Sky by Rebecca Kim Wells. My next pick is The Love and Lies of Rukhsana Ali by Sabina Khan. And I feel like I've talked about this one on HeyYA before, but maybe I haven't. I know for sure I've talked about it on a podcast, but it might not be this one. Uh, this one follows a girl named Rukhsana who's been in this relationship with her girlfriend, Ariana, for a few months, and things are going really, really well uh, between them. Anyway, uh, Roxana hasn't been able to share the excitement of her relationship with a whole lot of people, though. Uh, she is Bengali, and her parents are really conservative, and she knows that her being lesbian would potentially cause her parents to disown her. And uh, also, there's a really, really tight Bengali community where they live in Seattle. So she knows, like, any thing that gets out will cause a disturbance in the whole community. So when she and Ariana are caught kissing, things go from potentially scary to straight up terrifying. Uh, almost immediately, Rukhsana's parents tell her that her grandmother in Bangladesh is gravely ill and that they need to fly there immediately to spend time with her. But that whole thing is a ruse. Um, it's an opportunity instead for her parents to try to find her a suitable husband and marry her off um, so that the truth of her sexuality doesn't get out and embarrass her parents' good name among the Bengali community. Um, obviously, the relationship between Rixana and Ariana is tested here in big part because Ariana doesn't get it and doesn't understand what is really... Uh, going on in Rukhsana's life, how serious the situation is. But fortunately for Rukhsana, she meets somebody who might help her get out of this little situation. I won't say a whole lot more because that'll spoil it, but um, a really fascinating queer romance that not only looks at this relationship, but looks at the cultural pressures that a teen growing up in a conservative um, family can face when their cultural background also plays a, a factor in whether or not they can even have this 
relationship and how that would reflect upon her family more broadly. And that is The Love and Lies of Rixana Ali by Sabina Khan. Awesome. That one's been on my shelf for like three months. I need to read it. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a theme of today's episode. (laughs) All your books. I'm like, yes. So my next pick is Tell Me How You Really Feel by Amina May Safi. And um, I have to confess, i am got like 80 pages left in this book. I was reading a little bit this morning. It's so good. Mm -hmm. So it's a really great enemies to lovers style romance about two girls who at first seem to be polar opposites. So Sana Khan and Rachel Recht um, are the two main characters and it's dual point of view. So you see both sides. And so their freshman year, Sana asked Rachel out and Rachel thought it was like, a mean girl trick straight from like an 80s um, teen movie and so like it did not go well at all she's kind of distrusted and not really liked sana for all throughout high school sana has been kind of like whoa message received and kind of kept her distance but now just weeks away from graduation they sort of end up in this situation where if rachel is going to pass her film class and be able to go off to college um, she needs to finish this project and for whatever reason, Sana is the only person who can help her do that. So that's kind of like the, the general plot. But what I feel like is not talked about and what you won't get on the front cover flap is that the author's love of the TV show Gilmore Girls is so obvious in this book <laughs> and in like the best way possible. Um, so it's not a retelling or a, or of any sort of way of Gilmore Girls, but um, Sana's family situation is very similar to like the Rory and Lorelai situation where she has this really successful mom who got pregnant as a teenager and ran away and worked her way up and is a really hard worker. And then they have these rich, overbearing grandparents who have recently come back into her life in order to pay for her education. So that's definitely, like, got the Gilmore Girls vibes. And I would say that the Sana and Rachel um, sort of dynamic is kind of like Rory and Paris. And even some of the plot developments and, like, the cute moments between them are sort of taken from various seasons of Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. But the story itself is original. The characters are totally original. It's just this really great slow burn romance. And um, it's also a really great story about... Um, you know, two teens who are really high achieving, but also a little afraid of the future. So that is Tell Me How You Really Feel by Amina May Safi, and I love it. I can't remember what book it was. Um, I just read one recently where you can tell that the author, like, had a really big thing for Gilmore Girls as well. And it's going to, like, bug me that I can't remember what it was. It wasn't this one. It was another one, um, which is interesting to to think about how the revival series coming when it did might impact some of the um, future YA that we see in the next couple of years. Absolutely. My next pick is The Grief Keeper by Alexandra Villasante. And this one is about uh, a teen girl and her younger sister who are seeking asylum in the U.S. from El Salvador, where their lives have been at a big risk. So they make it across the border, but then they're held in this detention facility. And Maricel, who is the teen girl, her interview goes way less well than she suspects, and she worries that her request for asylum for her and her sister will be denied. 
So she uses this uh, break in attention she notices by the guards to run away with her sister, where she's picked up by this lady who seems like she's a really nice woman who wants to help her get to New York. Um, she has a family friend in New York who um, wants to help her and her sister. So she's hoping that this nice lady that she meets as she's running away will help her out. But this woman informs her that she actually has an offer that's a little bit sweeter. Um, that she is a government employee and there's this new procedure going on by the government that um, needs a human test subject. And what this procedure does is it removes the traumas from somebody who is suffering from them. And in this case, the the packaging of it is that it's somebody who's struggling with PTSD, that the traumas would be removed from their body and given to an otherwise healthy individual. And so um, this woman wants Marisol to be the participant in exchange for her asylum request. And because Marisol is so worried about being deported, she agrees to this. And um, it's quite terrifying. Like, it's it's a book that is set sort of in the near future, but it feels super plausible now. And um, it's really about love and family and immigration. It's about race. But the thing that um, I really, really appreciated about this one is that it's more deeply about grief. Uh, Ray is our main white girl character. She's struggling with grief. And she is the person who gives her grief to Maricel in this experiment. And Maricel um, just has to, like, absorb it in her body. And these two girls, as they get to know each other, develop a bit of a little romance between them. And we really get to see what it is that Ray is grieving um, and why she needs to have this trauma removed from her. But we also see the ways that Marcel being the recipient of this causes her a different kind of grief. Um, I really, really, really love the exploration here of race, of class of privilege, and the relationship that these two girls can have despite how different they are and um, in spite of this really sort of bizarre governmental experiment that they're both a part of, but neither of them actually wants to be a part of. Um, and that is The Grief Keeper by Alexandra Viasante. Oh, that sounds so fascinating. Um, so my next pick is a graphic novel, and it's Kiss Number 8 by Colleen A.F. Venable and Ellen T. Crenshaw. And so this is a really great graphic novel debut, um, and it's about Amanda, whose family is going through something, but she's not quite sure what, because her parents are being super secretive about it, and her dad especially keeps insisting that nothing is wrong, when obviously something is up, her parents kind of keep arguing about, about it, and they sort of keep bringing her into it, but she's not quite sure what is going on. So she, of course, is communicating all of this with her best friend Maddie and Maddie is like super into the idea of guys and dating and parties and she really just wants Maddie or wants uh, Amanda to find a boyfriend 
Um, and Amanda's kind of like, eh, I've got bigger stuff going on. Like, romance is cool, but this family issue is really taking up a lot of brain space. So then she finds this letter that's addressed to her. And when she opens it, she finds that it contains a $30,000 check made out <laughs> to her. When she's like, whoa. And so she decides to really take a more active effort in figuring out what her dad is hiding. And I won't go into too much more detail because, honestly, as I was reading this book, I was like, I have no idea where this book is going. And I was really pleasantly surprised and I liked um, liked the journey. So I won't take that from you. But um, this book was really sort of nostalgic for me as it's a graphic novel, so very visual. And it takes place in about, I think, 2004, 2005, which is around the same time that I was in high school. So I enjoyed that aspect. And it's really about living in a religious family um, while also figuring out that, like, you're gay that's amanda she's kind of she's figuring out her bisexuality and she's also learning about the existence of trans people and what that means for the first time so that is a little confusing for her a little um a uh, little disjointed and um i really also related to that aspect too because um I feel like growing up in a religious family myself, I did not really understand what it meant to be trans until I was out of high school. So um, this is kind of about her journey, but it's also about rejection. And the rejection in this book is about rejection based on sexuality and identity. And it's mostly coming from her um religious community and that was really hard um to read um it wasn't ever super terrible or violent or anything like that but just very emotionally difficult um however i do love that both the author and the illustrator give amanda some really great allies so i would say that ultimately this book is really pretty hopeful so that is kiss number eight and it's great (laughs) We each have two more, and since we could probably talk about them for hours, let's just hit them really quick, um, one after another, so we can move to our next topic, which weirdly fits, sort of, with what we've talked about. Um, My last two that I want to talk about are Brave Face by Sean David Hutchinson, which is um, a memoir about growing up gay, as well as growing up with a mental illness, and how... One didn't lead to the other, but both were challenges that um, Hutchinson dealt with in his life. And again, memoirs, so this is his real um, lived experience, and I think will resonate really deeply with teens today struggling uh, with their identities, whatever that identity might be. And then my last one is All the Things We Do in the Dark by Sandra Mitchell, who, um, this one comes out in October, and Mitchell is a super reliable author for me. And while I haven't read this one, I know it's a queer thriller, which is something that is right in my wheelhouse. And I'm really excited to read that one. Um, And that is all the things we do in the dark. Excellent. So my last two picks are another graphic novel, Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganusho. And it is a book about um, a kid who's a teen whose family owns this bakery, but he does not want to work in the bakery. And so he has to hire his replacement to work in this family business. 
and he um they end up falling for each other of course but it's a really <laughs> great beautiful graphic novel um about love and food which i've been on a food kick lately so it's perfect um and then of ice and shadows by audrey colthurst comes out later this month and it's the sequel to a fire and stars which is a YA fantasy about um, a princess who falls for her betrothed's sister. So this is the sequel, and I'm really excited to see where these characters go in the second book. So our next topic is something that I literally cannot get enough of, and that is uh, this trend that's taken off in book titles over the last couple of years. And not only... Is it great because we get to know the character's story and the tone of the book from the title alone. But what's been really, really valuable for me in this trend, which I haven't even named yet, but I think readers or listeners will figure out pretty quickly, um, is that this book kind of hints at, this book title trend hints at uh, aspect of diversity that um, I think readers will find really useful. Um, So the, the, the trend is that we're seeing full names in the titles of books. And again, it's been going on for a couple of years now. And um, it's a bit of a simplification to say it's an easy way to spot diversity. But I think it's a useful tool for readers who see the title and think, oh, that name sounds like mine. I bet this character and I will share some similarities. And um, I can't help thinking about how cool it would be to see a library display of just a collection of books with like characters full name in the title um because i think it'll be really really eye catching and also like allow so many readers to see themselves literally right there on the title of the book that is awesome i wish i still worked in the library so i could do this display yeah i mean i hope somebody does and then sends me a picture and i say that now and like i know that there'll be pictures in my inbox which i'm so excited about um <laughs> Because it's a really cool trend. And what I love, too, is so many of these books have great covers as well. So it's like they're eye-catching in so many different ways. Yes. So um, do you want to start this time with your list? Um, We should also say, obviously, we hit a couple already in the uh, section where we were talking about queer queer stories, not just queer romances, but queer stories of 2019. I think we hit two or three up there. Yes, and I actually messaged Kelly before we started recording, and I was like, I feel like this could like be an overlapping topic mm-hmm. post. <laughs> it's there are so many commonalities. So, and that is true of my um, first picks, which are both by Adrian Kissner, and they are Dear Rachel Maddow and The Confusion of Laurel Graham. So, I love both of these books, and they both happen to be queer stories as well. Um, Dear Rachel Maddow um, came out last year, and it's about a girl named Brim who hits rock bottom after a family tragedy, and her girlfriend breaks up with her. So, she's put in these remedial classes because school is, like, the last thing on her mind. And she writes to Rachel Maddow to cope. Um, She watches her show every day. And so, when she sees this injustice going on in her school, and she kind of speaks up and is the only person to speak up and say, hey, that's not really fair and so the school administration is like well if you want to do something about it then um you know you got to step forward and she's like are you kidding me so she does um 
the cool thing about this book is that it's an epistolary novel, so it's all written in emails, mostly emails to Rachel Maddow, but emails between other characters as well. Um, so it's just a really great, really funny book. And then Adrian's second book is The Confusion of Laurel Graham, and it just came out this um, summer. And it's about, um, I haven't read it yet, but I have it and I started it. I've read the first couple chapters. So Laurel Graham is this avid birder whose grandmother is in a coma. And she's also kind of facing the potential loss of the nature preserve where she works. And so um, throughout the book, she is searching out for this book, this bird that she can't quite identify. Um, and it becomes kind of an obsession with her to figure out what this bird is in order um, to tell her grandmother and hopefully save the nature preserve. So I love Adrian Kisner's books. Like they are, I think, going to be an always go-to book for me um, whenever she has a new release. She has like just the perfect balance between snark and genuine feeling um, that make them really um, just stand out. So again, that's Dear Rachel Maddow and The Confusion of Laurel Graham, both by Adrian Kisner. Speaking of birds and standby solid authors that was the slickest transition i have ever <laughs> made and i'm just gonna like hold on to how slick that was uh, my first pick is the revolution of birdie randolph by brandy colbert this one is out in a couple weeks and um colbert is a hey favorite this is a book about following the rules as well as breaking them but more it's a book about the family that we're born into and the families that we make along the way, particularly when we're teens. So when Birdie's aunt shows up at her apartment right before summer begins, um, that's when everything changes. Birdie has always been this like girl who follows all the rules. She's on the straight and narrow. And the um, moment her aunt shows up is about the same time that Birdie has started secretly dating a boy that she knows are very strict and proper parents won't like. But despite never pushing boundaries before, these two new people who are in her life are really encouraging her to take some chances and learn some lessons that she might otherwise never have learned without pushing these boundaries. Um, the book delves into addiction and alcoholism as well as recovery and what it's like for a young person to be released from jail and have to navigate the world knowing that they've got this reputation and history that um, precedes them and sets them apart from their peers. This is a book that's set in Chicago, which I loved um, as somebody who grew up in Chicago and am just outside the city. Like All of the places that were mentioned really gave this book some wonderful feeling to it. I feel like we get so many books set in New York City, which I just don't relate to at all. But when I read a book set in Chicago, I suddenly get why so many books are set in New York City. Um, there's just like a, a connection to it. Um, it's a quieter read, but one that is real and raw and has the most incredible book cover. And that is The Revolution of Bertie Randolph by Brandy Colbert. That does have an excellent cover. Mm -hmm. um, so my next pick is How to Be Remy Cameron by Julianne Winters. And this also has an amazing cover. Yes. Um, yes. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend looking it up. It is a picture of a boy and a dog and they're positioned kind of sideways. 
and they have post-its on their foreheads. It's really fantastic. And I love when a cover and this like very evocative title work together to kind of convey a message or a feeling. And this book just kind of screams like, how to be Remy Cameron, like who even knows? Um, which is apt as this book is about labels and how we can inhabit them and use them, but also about how they can be kind of limiting. So Remy Cameron is... Um, a teen who is out as gay and confident and a great student and a great friend. He just has like this really great reputation, but he's completely derailed when he is asked to write an essay about who he wants to be and being like this overachieving or high achieving student with great grades. He of course wants it to be a great essay, but like it also sets him off on this journey to kind of figure out who he really is and how he wants to define himself. So um, this book is by the same author as Running With Lions, which came out last year, I believe, and um, was really popular. Um, and has it's a small press YA book, but it got a lot of really great attention. Um, so this is his newest book, How to Be Remy Cameron by Julian Winters. It's not out until next month, but you don't have long to wait. My next pick is Don't Date Rosa Santos by Nina Moreno and... Confession, I haven't read it yet, but it is sitting on top of my TBR pile uh, in my car because I do keep a TBR pile in my car as any normal reader does. <laughs> um, this one has so many rave reviews that I can't wait to read it. And also, I couldn't not share it with this category because it was so perfect. Um, so I'm going to read the description, which is that Rosa Santos is cursed by the sea. At least that's what they say. Dating her is bad news, especially if you're a boy with a boat. But Rosa feels more caught than cursed, caught between cultures and choices, between her abuela, a beloved healer and pillar of the community, and her mother, an artist who crashes in and out of her life like a hurricane. Between Port Coral, the quirky South Florida town they call home, and Cuba, the island her abuela refuses to talk about. As her college decision looms, Rosa collides, literally, with Alex Aquino, the mysterious boy with tattoos of the ocean whose family owns the marina. With her heart, her family, and her future on the line, can Rosa break a curse and find her place beyond the horizon? This sounds like it has literally everything I love in a book. And that is Don't Date Rosa Santos by Nina Moreno. I was still working in libraries at the beginning of this year when my boss came back from ALA midwinter with that arc and I snatched it up so <laughs> fast. And then, um, as happens a lot, I still have not gotten to it, which is very sad, but I do have a copy. I'm going to read it. <laughs> So my next pick is The Last Voyage of Poe po Blythe by Ali Condi. Um, and I really like this title because um, sometimes when you include a person's full name, it gives it like an epic sort of sounding mm -hmm. feel and by invoking this full name. So and that is totally apt for this book, um, which is a futuristic story um, kind of dystopian. And it's about this outpost that deploys um, these armored ships to mine gold along the Serpentine River. Um, but of course, in doing so, like these ships are under constant threat from raiding ships and the raiders can be really ruthless as Poe Blythe, our protagonist, knows because she lost someone to the raiders um, before the book starts. And it has turned her very angry, a little bitter, and she has this 
um, just unquenchable thirst for revenge. So when she finally is given the chance to take her own ship and her own crew and set out along the river, she wants that revenge, but she also discovers that um, the things that she thought she knew, they aren't quite as simple. Um, and that living in the relative safety of the outpost, she... Um, is able to kind of see the world one way, but actually being out in the world, she has to figure out who to trust um, while also protecting her ship and her crew from all these various threats. So this is a dystopian adventure as much as it is a story about grief. And I have to say, I really love that we're seeing more great speculative fiction that goes deep into the emotions of trauma and healing and... um, yeah, it's just been really awesome. I feel like I've read a few really great speculative novels that do that recently. So um, that this is another one. And that is The Last Voyage of Poe Blythe by Ali Condi. I am going to switch it up and go for something funny this time. Um, and that is The Summer of Jordi Perez and the Best Burger in Los Angeles by Amy Spaulding. And Amy Spaulding's another HeyYA favorite. Um, so, of course, I had to include this book. Uh, Jordi Perez, what I really like, Jordi Perez isn't the lead character of the book, which makes the title even more interesting for me because we get the character's full name, but she's not the narrator at all. And I believe you mentioned one like that as well, um, which is fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, so the main character in this one is Abby, and she's got this great internship at a local clothing store for the summer. She wants to get into fashion, even though she knows it's a tough industry, especially for a fat girl like her. So when she arrives at the internship, she learns, surprise, that there's a second intern who is there for the summer named Jordi Perez, and Jordi is the ultimate and cool. And at the end of the summer, only one of them might score a job. Um, so Abby is super competitive about this until she finds herself falling for the competition. This is a funny, swoony, and totally unique book, um, by Amy Spaulding. That is The Summer of Jordi Perez and The Best Burger in Los Angeles. If you weren't going to say that book, I totally was. I love <laughs> that book. And I listened to it on audio last summer. And I must have looked like a bit of an idiot walking around with like this giant smile on my face <laughs> because the audio is so good. And it just made me so happy. So that's a great one. And um, also queer. Like we've yes, got and like also so queer. much great crossover here. Yes, we do. And um, as does my next pick, um, which is <laughs> Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me by Mariko Tamaki and Rosemary O'Connell Valero. So um, Mariko Tamaki, you might know um, from this one summer, um, which uh, she collaborated with her cousin on. So this is a different illustrator, but so, so good. So this is a really great graphic novel. Um, and Rosemary, I believe this is her first graphic novel. I I could be wrong, but her art kind of reminds me of like Tilly Walden style, but like mashed up with like a Laura, Lara Jean from, um, uh, to all the boys I've loved before aesthetic. So it's really great. Um, definitely look up the cover and look up the art if you haven't seen it already. But um, this is another one where the um, Laura Dean is not actually the protagonist of the book. <laughs> the protagonist is Freddie, and she is in love with Laura Dean. And they have been on again, off again, 
off again, on again, whatever that term is, girlfriends <laughs> for a few months now. But like Laura Dean keeps breaking up with her and it's on number th- breakup number three. And Freddie kind of notices that it always happens around a holiday where Laura Dean breaks up with her. And so she's just really frustrated and she's trying to figure out where she keeps going wrong. And she's writing all of these letters to this um, advice columnist and she's visiting a psychic and just basically workshopping the heck out of her relationship. But in doing so, she's also ignoring her best friend and something is like very clearly going on with them um, that Freddie is just like not paying attention to or not really caring enough about. And so, of course, that is going to have some major um, consequences on their relationship and also um, on Freddie's own life because this obsession with Laura Dean, who clearly is not treating her very well, um, is it's not great. So I love this graphic novel because it has a lot of just casual diversity and a whole spectrum of queer representation. Um, but it's also about like how sometimes relationships are really hard and it requires a bit of soul searching. And I just have to say that I love that we've come to a moment in YA where we can have YA books that not only have like queer relationships, but also have representations of like queer relationships Mm -hmm. Um, and how, you know, sometimes that's hard to navigate, but it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, like sometimes bad relationships happen. And um, this one has just a really, really great resolution, too. So that's Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. So um, I've got two more, and I'm just going to, like, rapid-fire them. My next one is The Education of Margot Sanchez by Lilia Rivera, which is about um, a girl who is caught stealing money from her father, and so she's forced to spend the summer working at the family store uh, rather than in the Hamptons where she really wants to be. And it's um, it's a book about friendship. It's a book about gentrification. It's a book about being part of a family that has this business and and where you fit into it if you fit into it at all um this one I really really loved it's so teen it's so much about a girl getting in trouble and like it takes in these really really big things while also looking at them through a, a smaller lens stealing and lying and um all these like small transgressions Margot um Margot experiences, but then they lead to like bigger um, understandings of herself in the world. And that is The Education of Margot Sanchez by Lilium Rivera. And then the last one I'm going to mention is one that comes out next year, uh, February of next year. And it's called The New David Espinosa by Fred Estevez. And um, the only description that I can find for it so far is literally one sentence long, um, and I'm going to read it. It's obsessed with the idea that he is not muscular enough and tired of being bullied. David, age 17, begins using steroids, endangering his relationships with family and friends. And I cannot remember the last time I read a book about a teen boy of color who struggles with addiction and steroids and um, toxic masculinity. So I'm really excited about this one. Um, And that is the new David Espinosa by Fred Aceves. Awesome. That one sounds really great. have to put that on my radar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess 
that's our show. I'm like looking at your list. I'm like, do you have any more on here? No, no. we got it. Like I overdid it on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was funny because before we started recording, I took a glance at my sh- shelves and I was like, oh, the miseducation of Cameron Post. Oh, this book. Oh, this book. But then I was like, limit yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the problem with this show is like, you can go on and on. And like what we share, Eric and I still have like 10 more that we didn't even get to. Like, <laughs> uh, such is the reading life. Such not a bad problem life. to have. No, not at all. Uh, so thanks, y'all, for tuning in this week. If you have any feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let's us know how we're doing and it helps other people find us. Thanks to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And thanks to Terza for jumping in and being a great co-host. Um, that was fun. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Terza on Twitter and Instagram as Terza Price. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. And y'all, if Eric and I actually actually come through with this idea we have for our 50th episode you're going to be blown away but that's if we get around to it like let's be real like we had these grand plans we came up with them like five episodes ago and i really think we will do it but also there's a possibility we won't because we are who we are so you'll have to tune in to find out we'll talk to you again soon bye